0: Welcome to EMG Radio, episode number 21. This is Randy, and what you're going to hear tonight is the second part, the conclusion of the interview with Daniel Maldonado, who I'm pretty sure I mispronounced his last name the first time, and he was just too nice to say anything. Hopefully I got it right this time. Um, You'll notice uh, some... We recorded the whole interview in two parts, and this part contains sections from both parts, so there will be some uh, changes in the audio quality on um, our voices. I believe we both switched microphones partway through. Anyway, uh, one final thing while I still have you here is um, this Sunday, which is, uh, what month is it, July 14th, it'll be the one-year birthday anniversary, whatever you want to call it, of EMG Radio. That's right, the first episode went up one year ago on the 14th. So, we're going to double up on you this week and hit you with a live episode Sunday. We'll be streaming it to YouTube, and if you're interested in checking that out, uh, keep an eye out on our Facebook uh, fan page, uh, the facebook.com slash electronic musicians group, or twitter.com slash emg artists. We'll announce uh, the time and give you, throw out the links for when we do that. Until then, enjoy this episode. Uh, um, Alright, I'm going to set you up And basically you're going to say that again Okay um, And guess what, more music
1: And this is <laughs> Oh god, I'm sorry I <laughs>
0: Your ultimate goal in creating
1: music—what would you like to accomplish? I have an ultimate goal. Well, the the one that I have the be- like most clearest goal is for Tamiya Sonozaki, and that is—and I guess it was—I mentioned it before—but the main goal is to have my music played by a, a big orchestra. That's my ultimate goal. Even, especially, you know, if I could conduct too, because I was a drum major in high school, so. Like, if I could be there, you know, just directing an entire orchestra, playing my own music, that I think that would be the ultimate goal for that. And then for uh, my metal bands, I guess, you know, I I'm not really looking to be, you know, I guess, how do I say this? I don't write music to be famous. Like, I mean, even the orchestra thing, you know, I don't mind if it's, you know, a, you know my old high school orchestra playing it. You know, even that would be, I would consider that, you know, but I'm not really, I mean, I don't write music really for fame. Like, even if it's playing with orchestra and there's not even an audience there, that I would consider, you know, satisfying the goal. I guess it's like, I write music to write music. I mean, if people listen to it, you know, I'm very, you know, that makes me glad. But it's like, I don't care if, you know, if it charts or anything. Like, I really doubt my music would, but it's not something I'm searching for. I'm not looking to become rich at all. I mean maybe sustaining some kind of living off of it that would be nice
0: but yeah that's that's the main thing like and some people don't understand that but that's how it is for me too like it's just kind of the act of making the music if i could find like a small audience that enjoys it that'd be great and even better if i could like make a little bit of money to sustain making more music but fame and money like were never my goals and i don't think I mean, I'm, obviously, people do get into making music to accomplish those goals, but I don't think it's definitely not the wise thing to do. Yeah, because it's a very small percentage, and really, that small percentage that actually does make it oftentimes isn't making any music of real substance, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, because it's not coming from it's not coming from uh, it's not coming from the right place, and there needs to be soul behind it.
1: Yeah, like, it's not coming from a real place, you know, like, a lot of these, some of these artists nowadays, you know, they aren't, it seems like, it's not that their music isn't good, but it's like, you know, know, their music isn't genuine. Like, it seems almost like it's just mass-produced, you know, generic stuff. Like, they say that music, that pop songs are basically becoming uh, simpler and louder, apparently. That's what they say, scientifically. Really? Yeah. I would believe it. Like I guess they said they're using a lot more compression nowadays.
0: Oh yeah, that thing's that's and that's something that's been going on for a while and it's just it's it's the whole loudness war, you know, where it's all got to be loud and naturally it's just going to get louder and louder if they're constantly trying to outdo themselves in terms of loudness. But even like uh bands that start out pretty well, if they if they blow up and become, you know, huge and well known, making lots of money and all that. Even if they're good bands, a lot of times you still see that like decline in the quality of music. And I think it's an issue of like when they start, you know, they have that soul and that need to like, just want to make music and get it out there and this and that. And then eventually even the good bands, like it just becomes a job and that's where it starts to lose, you know? Yeah. How long do you see yourself making
1: music? Until the day I die. Really, that's that's the only answer I could give.
0: That's the answer I always get, and I'm. That's the answer I would give. I'm curious. Eventually, I'm going to come across somebody who is going to say
1: something different, and I'm curious to see why. But well, the thing is that you know the projects that were my main influences. It seems like you know the three of them: uh, Hoyland, Melancholia, and Ezra Yates. Like it seems at the moment they like. I think Melancholia I think he said he's pretty much done. You know. Like, now he's just, he runs nine gates, which is the label that I'm assigned on. (laughs) But, um, yeah, like, you know, him, I guess, I, okay, I guess, you know, to say until the day I die, that might be a bit hasty to say, because it seems them, you know, well, even the solo artists, many times they go out, it's because they lose inspiration. So I guess, like, I don't want to stop making music, but I guess maybe there will be a day that I do. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Hey, did you, since since it came up, did you want to talk about Nine Gates?
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, I think it was back in, like, November, uh, Mike, he was saying, you know, I guess he wasn't on a label anymore because the one that he was on was pretty much uh, going away. I think it was Courtier 23. And um, so, I guess he didn't really have a label, and, you know, all the labels he was trying to contact, uh, they either, I guess they didn't give him a response, so... He said, you know what? I'm going to make my own label. And he asked people to help him. And I was one of the people who was there at the beginning. I mean, I didn't really do much, but, you know, I guess I was there in support. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's a pretty good label, you know, like it's like, it's a label. It's like by the artists for the artists, you know? Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, it's in the genre that, you know, that I love, you know, the genres, you know, like dark ambient, uh, even some metal, like I think, you know, that one band, uh, you mentioned on um, the blog, uh, what were they called uh, I forgot what they were called, but it was like a like an ambient doom. It was like the the final cut is fatal, I think it was called. The song. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, oh, something Gallo, uh, Gallo, Merciful Gallows?
1: Yeah, Merciful Gallows. Yeah, like, you know, that's you know all the projects that he has on there.
0: Yeah, it was cool that he let me um, use that track for our SoundCloud. And also you... Uh, yeah hooked me up with that piano version of circular logic yeah. for soundcloud so i definitely appreciate that and that piano version is awesome man oh thanks is that do you is that have you released that anywhere else no actually
1: that's for an upcoming album really it's a, yeah it's for a project that i'm gonna do um because all of the songs that i do you know they're based in synths and everything so i want to make an album that's like you know it sounds a lot more real. I guess it's a, like a little step closer to my ultimate goal. Because I have some good uh, some good plugins now. Like I have Miroslav Philharmonic. That's what I'm primarily oh, using.
0: Philharmonic, man. I've just got a hold of that and have been using that too. I like it.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Circular Logic, you know, it's a piano version. Because it was originally supposed to be like, I guess, a music box, harpsichord, all that. And um, Oh, have I mentioned the story of that song also? I don't think so. Okay, well, it has to do with religion, or my religious views. Okay. And and even the music itself has some symbolism to it. Circular logic is, because um, like, I was born into a Catholic family. And my family, you know, of course, is very, very devout. But around the time I was about maybe 12 or 13, I started to fall away from it. And I'd say I was about 14 or so when I finally, you know, I said in my mind you know there is no god so you know i'm an atheist now mm-hmm. and then the circular logic is well that's kind of how the bible is you know like you know who created you know who who created the who created the universe god who said it was created you know who said it, who created it yeah. the bible and then who wrote the bible god so it's kind of like you know if you try to get an answer you're just going to go into a loop So, like, that's why the song kind of, you know, it repeats quite a bit. And then it's like, you know, the intro is like, you know, that's me being, you know, that's the loop, the loop, the loop. And then when it goes into the next section, that's like, I guess it symbolizes me questioning that loop. And I'm not saying that Christianity is, you know, it's, I'm not definitely saying, you know, there is no God. Like, I guess I'm somewhat of an agnostic. You know, I'm like an agnostic atheist. Like, there could be a God, but as far as I know, there isn't. But I guess, you know, that section right there, it's like, it's me questioning it. And then the end is like, well, I guess I've made my decision. I've come to my, to the conclusion, I guess. So there's the symbolism, like, I guess it's like, that's why they like, there was a music teacher I had and he said, music can tell the story that you don't want to tell or you can't tell through words. So it's like that song tells a story without any words. I like that. And that's pretty much what the first album is. Like, the first album is, like, my autobiography, essentially. Like, the creation symbol- is supposed to symbolize, you know, when I was born. And then Black and Frost is, like, you don't, like, I exist, but you don't know you exist because you don't have no memory. The third song, uh, it has a funny name. It's called Treumann. That means dreaming in German. And it's, like, you know you're there, but your existence feels like a dream. You know, when I was, like, three or four. Memories of Our Ancestors is like, you know... Oh, Memories of Our Ancestors, they actually, that, that one I put quite a bit of thought into, believe it or not, even though it doesn't sound very complicated. There's a... Okay, so it's a combination of the style of music of um the Aztecs as well as European. Because Aztec music, they would have a double flute. So one that plays a drone note and the other one plays a, a melody. So it's like, you know, there's just a drone and then the melody playing. But then there's a string instrument, because string instruments are European or European Middle Eastern, uh, the old world invention. So it's like, you know, and then it plays more of a, I guess, European style. So it's like, you know, because I'm Mexican, so it's like, you know, I have European and Indian ancestry. And then Beautiful Abyss, the song title, I guess that's how I describe my childhood. It's like, my childhood seemed kind of bleak. It it wasn't, I didn't have a bad childhood, but it was just very bleak but he'll still have a good childhood. Pure emptiness, uh, that song actually was how I felt after, around the time of, <clears throat> of nine eleven. Like, so it's like, it seemed like, why would people cause such hurt to other people? It's like, that's when I found out humans can be really evil. How old were you about then? I was in second grade at the time. Second grade. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm 19 and then pure, and then absolute truth is like, you're a kid, you want to be right, but everyone tells you that you're wrong, I guess. Like, that's what it kind of has to do with. Like, people, everyone says you're wrong. And then, Circular Logic, I'm going explain that. Discovery, half of it, is about, like, it's, it's like, that's when I started becoming a real, real into the music that I listen to now. So it's like, it's like I've discovered the music, you know? And then the second half is dedicated to my grandmother who died back in 2006. And then Ghost is kind of like pure emptiness, like, you know, a song about everything just seems empty, you know? Like, I have, I guess, I have depression. So it's like I have moments where it's like it, everything just feels empty, and then ghost, afterlife. look into the sky and dream is like, it's like it feels like everything. It feels like things are getting better, even if they're bad. That's what that song. And then the last song, Sekai no Seishin, it means spirit of the world. That song is also very symbolic, and it's also kind of sad what it's about. I guess, but it's it's like it wants to return to the time of the beautiful abyss but it knows it can't so like there's that melancholy of, of you know nostalgia that you know it's like you you remember the how it felt back then but you'll never feel it again the same So all the songs you know they have the symbolism so. I like the
0: idea of it's it's like a concept album. You definitely have all these um, meaningful layers attached to the songs that threads throughout the whole album. Anymore, I listen to a lot of instrumental music because there is like there's a story or a meaning you can put to it that doesn't necessarily need words and it's there. But then also as a listener, somebody else could, they can like, they can tap into like the feeling you meant to put there, but also pull like their own story out of it too.
1: That is exactly the reason why I made it like that. Like, I mean, I have my own stories to them, but you know, I want the listener also, you know, maybe, you know, pure emptiness, you know, like say that specific song, you know, they associated with an event in their life. You know, that's, it's like, I want the songs to be able to apply to them that's why I don't really want to put like a definite meaning to them. So like the audience, you know, the listener, I guess is the one who decides ultimately what the song means to them,
0: which is like the sign of great music. I think Thank you. now this next question, especially, and uh, from my point of view, like it might be different, especially because you're, you're quite a bit younger than me because let's see, you were in second grade when nine eleven happened. Um, so the music industry's kind of always been in this weird state as far as, I'm sure as far as like you can recall with the, uh, the digital distribution issue. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about where it's at now? Like with the ability to, for us to like directly release out into the world versus the way it used to be where you had to have a record record label or you're either not releasing anything, or you're kind of contained within your
1: local area. I can see the good and bad in that. You know, because many times, you know, back in the day there might have been an artist that was really, really good, but they never got noticed by a label. And, you know, artists that were on labels might have sucked horribly. You know, there's a lot of, you know, especially, I guess the idea of the one-hit wonder was, it seems like that's, how do I say this? It's like there was a lot of those back in the 80s. Like, videos, you know, they thought they were going to be a good artist, but then, you know, but then nowadays, however, you know, we have band camp, you know, it seems everyone has a band camp. And, you know, there's a lot of good music on there, you know. I mean, that's where I release all my, I'm not saying I'm good, but, you know, that's where I release my music. But it seems there's also a lot of artists who, you know, they don't, like, they just want to release music maybe to make a few dollars, you know, like, they don't really have it, you know, like, they're just like, Hey, I recorded something, buy it. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, it seems there's some of those nowadays. And it also seems like there's a lot of artists coming out. I like think especially with how easy it is to get software, you know, and how easy it is to record now. You know, because back then also you had to have a label to record, even if it was, you know, analog, which, you know, I guess some would say is primitive now to what we have. But, you know, only the, you know, the big studios had that. You had to go to a big studio. You couldn't really record at your house.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was way different.
1: But I think the good thing is that it gives us a lot more choice of what we listen to. Like, we can have artists that appeal to very specific areas. You know, like, the music I make might not appeal to a lot of people. I'm, you know I mean? You know, my music isn't very popular, you know. But there are people out there who do enjoy it. Like, I noticed, actually, there's a, a lot of fans that I have are from Russia. Oh, really? Yeah. I know. Like I, I noticed that in the like, the stats and even, you know, a lot of the who post. It's cool. And then also, what's really cool as well is that it lets you get to more people. Like, back in the day, you know, like, say, one of my favorite albums now is Brave Murder Day by Catatonia. It came out, like, 1996. I don't think it was that available, you know, here in the United States at the time because they're from Sweden. But now, you know, if someone, you know, hey, you should check out Catatonia. Okay. You know, they go to, maybe they buy it from, from, you know, somewhere on the internet or they might even tour into it. But either way, you know the music can spread very easily. And also, when it comes when when it comes to piracy, you know, I mean, I can see you know it does hurt the industry. But at the same time, it seems like the industry, it seems they care more about themselves than the artists. You know?
0: Oh, for sure.
1: like band, you know, Bandcamp. You know, you pay the artists directly, not you know some you know more more than likely you know not really a label. I mean, I guess you know there are labels at Bandcamps. Like I think Nine Gates does, but a lot of the music is free. And you know, I know Mike's a very good man. So you know, I don't think he'll be all corrupt and take <laughs> all the money, you know. But yeah, it seems like you know now the artist is the one who's in control, and I think that's one of the things that the music industry is kind of afraid of, you know. It's like they, I think, I think the industry, their days are kind of numbered, I guess. I guess even now it's viral videos, you know, like you know that one stupid song, Rebecca Black, you know, that was popular. Uh-huh. But then I think she, I think she had some kind of label or something, but still, it was YouTube that really. Put it out there. It wasn't really the label. Oh yeah, for sure. So it seems like now it's the power of the people that's taking over music. I agree. When it comes to downloading, you know, like I'm not gonna lie, I've downloaded some albums in my days. You might want to cut that out just in case of you know legal reasons. If they're listening. <laughs> if they're listening. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know what though? Like, you know, my favorite bands are Opeth and Katatonia. I'm gonna go see them in concert. Uh, in a few weeks, and the only reason I know about them is because I pirated their albums. But then later on, I love their music so much that I decided to buy them. Catatonia is actually the band that I have the most CDs of. I think I have like four or five of their albums. So Opeth, I have a few of their albums as well, like that I actually purchased. Mm-hmm. So you know, even I think piracy can lead to album sales. You know, like say, because I mean, I don't think there are that many people who are like you know, I only pirate. You know. If they really like music if they really like music and if they have the money. Also that's another thing is, you know, people many times they don't have money. CDs can be expensive as hell. And also that's a good thing about Bandcamp is that many times, you know, you can pay what you want. Especially if, you know, you're poor, you can only give a couple of dollars. You know, something that'll help. And then even also what's cool is that there, I've heard stories about people who've been paid a lot. Like I guess they like their album so much that they actually give them quite a bit of money. Like even more than a CD would be worth.
0: Yeah, I like that, um, I like the name-your-own-price thing. Like, if they want to set a minimum, that's that's cool, I understand that, but, like, I like the idea that if you're really into it, you can, like, give them more, and of course, not everybody's gonna do it, but I think it's
1: a good system. Yeah, I mean, I haven't made that much. I think in total I've made about $8 from, uh, specifically from the album, uh, Scarlet Ethereal, you know, but, I mean, hey, I've... For once, I'm actually paid to make music. Yeah, exactly, man. That's, I guess it's a step in the right direction.
0: What are you gonna bless our ears with now?
1: This is um, this is from Anticatum This is a song called Agil and Hochma. <laughs>
0: If you could collaborate with any other musician in the world, living or dead, who would it be and in what capacity?
1: Hmm. Uh, I think the musician I'd like to collaborate the most with uh, it would probably be, uh, like, with a metal band, probably, like, Catatonia or Opeth, you know, my favorite bands. What I would do, uh, I'm not really sure. I guess just working with them would be, like, a dream come true. Like, even if it's just, like, even if it's simply, like, fetching coffee, even... You
0: do whatever they told you to do, right?
1: The thing is, though, I think my musicianship isn't really that good, like, to really be able to work with them, at least at this time.
0: All right. Now, on the flip side, think of a musician you can't stand. If for some reason you were forced to work with them, who would it be, and what would you have them do?
1: Blood on the Dance Floor. That's my... Blown on the Dance Floor Broken Side. Those are my two least favorite artists. Um, but would I have them do nothing? (laughs) No, but, um, I don't really know what I'd have them do, but it's just that, you know, it seems their music is, um, it's like, there's no substance to it, you know, like it's just designed to sell. I don't really know. I guess I'd have them try to put more into their music than to the playing of music rather than their lyrics.
0: (laughs) From what I could tell, and I kind of like the answer, basically, if you had to work with them, what you would do is make them make their music better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you stay away from my music and make your music better. Yeah. Now, this one's one of those kind of trippy quest- or tricky questions, but if you can, off the top of your head, what are three or four of your all-time favorite albums? What are the first albums that pop to mind?
1: Uh, some of the albums that really pop to mind would have to be... Well, I have my CD collection right here, but I'd say uh, definitely Catatonia. I think the album Brave Murder Day, that album's influenced me quite a bit. Oh, I think Red by King Crimson is actually also a very influential album. At the very moment, like in the past couple of weeks, I've actually been listening to My Bloody Valentine, to their album Loveless. And I think that album will kind of influence me. Oh, the album Rune by Enslaved. That was also a very influential album, especially, uh, well, pretty much the band Enslaved in general. Like you know, their usage of um of like the way they the way they write their corporations. Actually, one day uh they were having a Twitter Q and A, and I managed to ask them a question about um how they write their corporations, and they said their 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 main influences when it comes to that specifically were like King Crimson, Pink Floyd, and uh, Mayhem. So it was like you get well one of the things that I've kind of been getting into is also uh listening to the bands that influence the bands that influence me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure, man. That's a good way to discover music that maybe you hadn't given a chance to before.
1: I guess it's like when it comes to the music that I make, it's like the bands that influence me, it's almost like, I see it almost like a, like a family kind of thing. It's like you created the music, but ultimately, it's like musically it, it came from the influences. So it's like, that's the, really the father of your music in a way. And then the bands that influence them are, like, like grandfather influences, I guess you could say.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense.
1: So it's like, you know, in the past year I've been listening to Pink Floyd, uh, My Bloody Valentine, since I listened to a lot of, uh, like, shoegaze black metal.
0: Name an artist that you absolutely love but are embarrassed of when people find out.
1: I don't really think I have anything like that. Or not really, but, um... Well, genre-wise, like, like, um, it's called Vocaloid music. Vocaloid? Yeah. It's um, I think I've actually posted about it a couple times in the group, but it's like, uh, it's basically all these uh artists, like all these electronic musicians around the world, and um, Vocaloid. It's it's a software program that basically emulates uh the human voice. So it's like, it's like, it's, I guess it's kind of like a VST. It uses MIDI data. And um, each one has like different, uh, there's like characters that have like the voice settings. And um, it's like you input the lyrics and you put like the MIDI data for like the vocal track. So basically you can create vocals through it.
0: That's kind of interesting.
1: It's primarily from Japan because English is very difficult to um, to because English has a lot of different uh, sounds to it, whereas Japanese is all syllables pretty much. Really? Yeah, but I've also been working on it myself as well. How is it? It's pretty cool. It's like uh, it's like it's. I mean, really, it's all MIDI. So it's like you know, you make the 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 melody of the vocal track. And then you input the lyrics, and you can actually hear it like singing, pretty much. How
0: does it? How does it sound?
1: Well, the older versions sound very computerized, but now it's on Vocal-A version three, so they do sound more uh, human-like. You know, and a lot of yeah, a lot of these like you know, because there's one that I like to use. It's called the IA, and it's based on the Japanese singer named Leah, and. And what I've heard was, um, because Leah, she does uh, vo- uh, theme songs for anime series. like, And I heard one, uh, this guy, he did a cover of um, the intro to one of those anime series, but using the Vocaloid. And it sounded really good. It sounded almost like her. I mean, you can still hear the computer component of it, but, you know, it still sounded like her.
0: That's interesting.
1: And, yeah, it has a huge fan base, like, you know, I mean, like, these videos, you know, they have, like, millions and millions of views, a lot of fans from around the world. Especially, I think, in Mexico and Japan, it seems like those are the top countries. And the Philippines, it seems like that's where most of the anime, you know, Japan, Japanese uh, video games, all that, fans, where they're from. They call themselves otakus, but that's not really a word you want to call yourself if you know the Japanese connotation behind it. Really? Yeah. Basically, it means, like, basement dweller. <laughs> really? It means, uh, like, uh yeah, because, like, there's two different words that people usually call them. Like, someone who is not Japanese but pretends to be like that, you know, who's super into all this. They call them muyabus. And basically, you don't want to be called that. And then they call themselves otakus, but they don't realize that there's a negative uh, connotation behind it in Japan. That's funny. Yeah. The, it's like, I'm an otaku, but it's like otaku and weeaboos are are almost exactly the same thing, pretty much uh, these people
0: alright, what have you been listening to lately?
1: lately uh, over the past couple weeks I've been listening to My Bloody Valentine I've been getting into Catatonia a lot more, especially because um, I think I actually mentioned that I was going to go see them in late May and I saw them twice We yeah, I've been getting into them a lot more and But what's odd, though, is that usually it seems like once a year I have this one band that I listen to a lot. Like 2011, it was Dream Theater that I listened to pretty much all the time. Now I hardly listen to them at all. Or, you know, 2010, it was Opeth. No, no 2009, it was Opeth for me. 2010, it was Enslaved and Nocturnal Mortem. But Catatonia has, you know, I've been listening to them for like two years straight, pretty much. And I still don't feel myself getting burned out from them. That's
0: cool. That's a good. That's a, that's a sign of a good band right there.
1: And I mean, I saw them twice within two days. I saw them in Agura Hills. I saw them with Opeth, and that was a really good show. But then I, but um, Opeth was the headliner of that show. But it's really cool though because both those bands are like pretty much my. That's like my top two right there. So that show was, you know, it was incredible.
0: Yeah, man, but, that's the dream show right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got those tickets in January for, like, I I got two tickets for me and my friend. It was, like, $70. Like, last minute, one of my friends invited me to go see Catatonia again because they came back to Los Angeles. Because Opeth, their last show was in, uh, it was near San Francisco. But Catatonia, I guess, you know, they just came back to Hollywood. So we saw them at the Roxy. But they were the headliner that time. So they played uh, a lot more songs. You know, they played. And especially they played some of their older songs, too. And I even got to meet them.
0: Really? How was yeah. that
1: man? Oh, it was awesome. And then uh I asked him a couple questions. Or I asked uh, the vocalist a question because there's this one song from like one of their old albums. But uh yeah, I asked him um like what was the meaning behind it, but you know, it was too long ago so he didn't really remember. However, my other friend, he actually asked the guitarist uh which he said he asked him which album was more fun to record, their first album or their second album. He said it was their second album, Brave Murder Day. And then I think if you see my cover photo on Facebook, it's a picture of us, of me and my friend at each end, but with Catatonia there. And the drummer has his, he has both thumbs up. Nice. Yeah. And I got a CD signed with him. Yeah, that was a good show.
0: How long ago was that?
1: That was like at the end of May.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. What are you going to bless our ears with
1: now? Uh, This is a song from my, you can call it my main band in Woke the Wake. This is A New Suffering.
0: Shifting away from music, um, outside of music, what else do you like to do? Hobbies, and, or gaming, whatever.
1: Um, it's kind of odd. I'm probably one of the few people in the world who re- who almost never plays video games. I don't own any consoles, you know, so, like, this whole Xbox One versus PS4 thing is kind of nothing to me, really.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Once in a while, though, I do play some games, but usually it's, like, older games. Like, my favorite video game is, uh... For the Sega Genesis, it's Fantasy Star Four.
0: I don't think I played that one.
1: Well, the Fantasy Star series, or at least the original ones, like I think just recently I played the on my old uh, tablet before it got broken, I played uh, Fantasy Star One on an emulator. But uh yeah, usually I guess like I prefer the old RPGs, the old Sega games. Oh, and another thing I like to watch uh anime as well.
0: Which uh which shows are you really into?
1: Some of my favorite ones were uh one called Another, that I actually wrote the EP Sanguine about. Because it's like, I guess it's kind of like Final Destination, but like an anime version. And, uh, my absolute favorite was one called Higurashi no Nakukoroni. ni. And, uh, there's, and actually, even the name of my project has a reference to that. Because the the last name Sonozaki is the, is the last name of some of the characters in it.
0: Oh, that's right. And it's got the, uh, both the first and last names of the of Tommy Sanazaki has kind of a duality theme to it.
1: Yeah. And also Elf and Lead. It's very, very violent, but it's very good. What was that last one? Elf and Lead. Hmm. It also has a very good soundtrack, especially the intro to it. It's like, uh, cause most anime, you know, they have like J-pop or whatever, but that one actually has an orchestral intro with an opera singer. It's a song called Lilium. It's, like I've arranged it multiple multiple times I even did an ambient version of it
0: well this last this next question might kind of cross over into the last one but uh what is your geekiest interest what do you fanboy over
1: I guess anime really you know like uh I, I mean I'm I've I'm watching a, quite a few shows at once actually I downloaded quite a few of them I have it on my external hard drive right here so I have quite a bit to watch over the summer What are
0: you what are you watching right now
1: at the moment I'm watching one uh I haven't seen it in a week or so. I forgot which one it was. Um Oh it's like uh it's like the sequel to Higurashi apparently. It's called Umineko. And apparently it's a total mind hump. Yeah, yeah Like there's so many twists and turns that I've heard.
0: Now do you watch um uh is it pretty much pretty much exclusively series or do you ever watch any anime movies?
1: Movies not that often really. But oh, really? I don't I don't really know of that many, but I mean I am a big fan of uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Actually my favorite movie of all time is Princess Mononoke. Yeah? Yeah. Like even the and the soundtrack to it is even one of the things that's influenced me a lot. From Johi Saishi, That man's just his music is incredible.
0: I was um for whatever reason, which is the which is which is the one with the girl and her parents turn into pigs? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, Spirited Away. Spirited Away. For whatever reason, I, I like that one. That one appeals to me more than um Princess Mononoke. But have you ever seen Grave of the Fireflies?
1: I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. I've heard it's really sad.
0: Oh, that's the most depressing fucking movie ever. Like, there's that and Schindler's List. Those are the two most depressing movies
1: ever. Oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> um, but you know it's kind of messed up but that is kind of the category I put it into it's just it is very sad
1: I mean they take place around the same time don't they
0: yeah
1: like yeah. is like, another yeah. yeah, like a world war or two
0: yeah they're both yeah wartime movies for sure yeah let's take a break from all this talking and listen to some music what are you going to play for us
1: uh, this is from uh, one of the most recent tracks from Tommy Osunzaki this is The Outer Reaches and it features a little clip from uh From Gustav Holst's Neptune, by the way, in case if you're wondering.
0: What is next for you? Upcoming album shows projects.
1: Okay. Uh, I have quite a bit coming up. Okay. So for Tommy, like I have two things, three things actually in, uh, at the moment. I'm do, like remaking uh, some of the older songs, but I'm making them sound like uh, I'm trying to, as much as possible, make it sound like a real orchestra. I have mirror self harmonic and I'm basically doing like orchestral versions of the, of the old songs. Like, I think you actually posted the the piano, like, I have a piano version of Circular Logic.
0: Yeah, that's on, uh, uh, you, you sent it to me to put up on the EMG SoundCloud. That track is yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks. I really like the piano version of that a lot.
1: I haven't heard of it in a while. I think it's, like, almost all piano. Like, I don't know if it would be possible for a, a human piano player to actually play all those notes unless if I change the instruments, actually, I think I did. I made it like a, a vibraphone or something like added other instruments to it. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm not sure when that'll come out, probably in a few months or so. I think that one actually might, uh, print it because I haven't actually printed any albums.
0: Really? But you going to release physical of that one? Hopefully. Yeah. Awesome, man. I'm excited to hear that one.
1: Thanks. In the short, like kind of a short thing, probably in the next month, maybe, uh, like within the next month, the next few weeks, I'm making another EP. It's called Mara, and it's about it's basically like a horror EP because it's about um like nightmares and sleep paralysis. It kind of goes further into what the song uh, Consanguinity went into.
0: And that'll be another Tommy Osanazaki track or uh EP.
1: Yeah, it's just three songs. I put po- awesome. I actually I post yeah, I posted the cover on EMG. I got like ten likes, I think.
0: Oh. Is that with the figure standing over the person in the bed, or something?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the. That's, it's like that's a historical depiction of uh, someone suffering night paralysis. Like, like you just can't move, but like you see a demon hovering over your chest while you're sleeping.
0: Yeah, that's a super cool album cover, man.
1: Thanks. It was. Uh... I found it, uh, there's this Facebook page. that's really awesome. It's called the macabre and beautifully grotesque. It's like, they post all this art that looks like horrifying, but at the same time, beautiful and they have like thousands of albums. So it's like, I dig through it and I see, uh, like I, tr- and it's kind of, it's kind of sad. I try to see if they've been dead for longer than 70 years so I can use their art since it's, since it would be in public domain.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's kind of tricky to find. It's kind of to, tricky to find that information sometimes.
1: Yeah, but, you know, they have they have it all organized in there. So, like, I guess if anyone else is trying to look for, like, some kind of horror album cover, you know, that would be a good place. And even they even have a uh, Theodore Arquitos and uh, the, the artist Burzum. He used a lot of his art. In fact, I'm even wearing my Philosophem shirt right now. Yeah, the Burzum fans will know what I'm talking about. And in the long-term goal, this is actually one that it's probably going to take me a long time to do. And I almost have a feeling I might even postpone it, but I have to really see how it goes. The next album is going to be a symphony, like a dark ambient symphony. And I want, I really want to take my time on that one because, you know, a symphony is something that it requires a lot of knowledge. And that's why I'm reading a lot on uh, music theory, on composition. I have a lot of resources available for that. But I'm doing a lot of, just a lot of um learning for it. And I want it to be a huge release. And not only do I want it to be an album, and this is something I might have to re- start like a Kickstarter or something for, or see if uh, there are people who are willing to volunteer. I want to make an animated film with it as well. Really? Because it's, it has a whole story to it. And it's an actual real story. I wanted to make an anti album about it, but uh, I kind of lost it. I guess that was around the time my computer crashed. Yeah, it has a story. It's uh, there was his family in Germany back in like the 1600s, like early 1600s. The king he wanted to have like a show trial to show like you know if you commit a crime you're gonna get messed up. So this guy he uh he got arrested for something, and then he he accused the family of helping him, and like, I guess it was like like witchcraft and doing a lot of horrible things. Like getting babies for some kind of satanic ritual so you know they just arrested the family and you know to this day there's no evidence that they even knew this man so you know e- but even then they were kind of like we have we don't really have any evidence but oh well we'll just arrest them so they just horribly tortured the family for and you know they were innocent but it's like you know they just horribly tortured them until they got them to confess it's going to have, it's, there's four different movements, there's four movements, you know, just like a symphony. And yeah, it's a really sad story. And I, I want to have like an, an, like kind of animation to it.
0: Move forward with that idea. Cause that sounds fantastic.
1: I have a couple of friends who work with animation. So I'll see about, uh, cause I don't want it to be like, you know, like, you know, like the kind of things you'll see in like, uh, like a professional level animation. Like, you know, the idea that I kind of had was like, you know, like they had a, what are they called? Woodcut blocks? Like that kind of art that they used to have like in the sixteen and fifteen hundreds. Like something that like animation like of that, I guess. Like it like uh like it'll be like a silent movie like a silent movie. Or even a, uh this is really obscure, but there was a something I saw, it was Dante's Inferno, but it was like a puppet show. But it's not like a puppet show like you think, but it's like professional level puppets. So I was thinking almost something like that even like it won't really be gory like cuz i mean the details are pretty horrifying but it won't be like you know you see all the veins and everything it's like you know like maybe it'll even it might be appropriate for kids i guess well probably not just because <laughs> of the details behind it but sure, it looks sure. like i guess it'll be like one of those deceptive cartoons like it looks like it's for kids but it's really not
0: but yeah it's really this horrible horrible story
1: yeah Yeah, I don't think it'll be for kids. I really don't, honestly. And um, for Anti Consuntum, at the moment we're we're starting recording. We're still recording the album. I think uh, this week or next week we're actually gonna start uh, recording drums. And Autonomy says he's actually gonna send uh, he's gonna send us a kick mic. Nice. Yeah. So you know I want to thank him for that. And you know I mean he you know he's just sending it for free.
0: That's awesome of him, man. Yeah. He's, autonomy's a good guy.
1: He really is. We still have no uh, date because it's like, we're kind of on our own schedules. So I'm almost done with my guitar tracks. All I need for, at least in my part, is just vocals and a couple more guitar tracks. The other guitarist, he's recorded a couple already. And um, yeah, and then we need bass and keyboards and drums. But we, I don't think it shouldn't take... We, I think we should be done hopefully by mid-July at the latest. And like maybe, you know, towards the end of July we'll be done mixing, maybe mastering, and then hopefully by August. I think August might be when we might release it. And then Invoke the Wake, uh, we're about, we're actually finally, since 2011, that we started recording this EP. We're finally gonna, I mean, or not EP, I guess it's more of a demo. We're finally gonna release it. You know, so that was like, you know, more than two years already.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's a long time in the making.
1: Yeah, so we're finally going to release it. We're going to make physical copies of it. And, uh, yeah, I think right now we're going to get it mixed. I think, yeah, I think right now it's being mixed at the moment. And then what else? Uh, Drakhan Childan. I still need, I actually, I'm, I've been kind of putting it off. I still need to finish um, recording a song that Drazen sent me that he actually wrote the the music for. That's like, I need to start recording my guitar parts for it. And then I, get, I guess, I think he has his lyrics already. So then, you know, once I'm done recording, when, you know, he has his, he does his vocals for it. Uh, we'll start mixing the EP and we'll release that. Because we've been working on that since like October, I think. Yeah, I think that's it.
0: That's the dude. That's quite a uh, that's, that's quite a workload.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I have like, you know, three months until school. But yeah, I mean, I have plenty of time.
0: Where can people find your music? Uh,
1: primarily. I, most of these things are on, um, on Facebook, but we actually do have a couple of Twitters like invoke the wake is more active on Twitter than on Facebook. I think
0: what's your Twitter address? Because I was doing your, um, featured artist article and I, I linked all the Facebooks and stuff, but I wasn't sure of the twitters Twitter accounts.
1: Okay. Anticantamentum is at anticantamentum, uh, A N T E C A N T A M E N. T-U-M. And then, I think Invoke the Wake, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, it's just at Invoke the Wake, at, uh, you know, I-N-V-O-K-E-T-H-E-W-A-K-E. Tamiyao Sonozaki even has a Twitter, but I almost never use that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but that one I know is different from, I think that one is at T-H-A-V-M-I-A-L, because that's how it would actually be spelled in Hebrew. The it'd be like or something like that
0: oh. I was wondering about that yeah
1: yeah like that's how it would actually be spelled in Hebrew or I think in like modern Hebrew or something or ancient I don't know and yeah and then Facebook you know we have all the uh, Facebook I think slash invoke the wake I think it is uh, slash anti Cantomentum slash Tamiya sonozaki nozaki. cheldon I think the same thing since these names are kind of unique, we don't have to put... Oh, and I, I don't think I ever mentioned this, but I have another project that I'm also doing as well.
0: What? What is this?
1: It's a Doom Metal project that I made. I released a two-song demo for it back in, like, December. It's called The Red Mist is Coming.
0: The Red Mist is Coming? Yeah. Oh, you released it? Where can people hear that?
1: Uh, It's on Bandcamp. I think it's theredmistiscoming.bandcamp.com.
0: Holy shit, man! <laughs> that's insane, dude. That's five projects. Yep, that's pretty impressive.
1: Oh, and from Invoke the Wake, we also we've I think we even made another <laughs> side project from Invoke the Wake. From it's me, uh, the drummer and the guitarist. It's like a, it's going to be like a post rock kind of thing. So six projects. Insanity, man! Redmus is coming. That's just. Uh, Something I just do on extra time. Like, I just wrote those two songs in December, but I'm going to make, like, a, a full-length album probably in December by then, so one year after. That one, I think I'm not going to spend too much time on, really. Pretty much all of these, I think, except Invoke the Wake, they're pretty much all on Bandcamp. I don't know if we're going to post that one on Bandcamp. We might, but I don't know.
0: You don't have a Dracon show on uh, Bandcamp, do you?
1: We don't have anything at the moment, so but we will post that soon.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. That's I couldn't find that one, but I didn't think you guys had one. So,
1: yeah, because we haven't. Uh, well, I think we might do. I think I'll have to talk to Drazen. We might like release a single or something because we've already released "Gwinthi" before. Uh huh. It's actually been on two compilations. It was also on a compilation for um, a record company as well. Really? It was like yeah. It was one called like uh, it was like songs for England since like our project is like Anglo-Saxon based kind of
0: nice man that's cool
1: when we do finish that we're gonna post it on Bandcamp.
0: yeah you should because i like that a lot post it for no other reason other than
1: randy wants to hear it thank you for uh, the interview oh i can't believe i almost forgot um some of the people that i like to thank also um for everything would be of course randall for the opportunity to talk about my music and for playing my tracks on the podcast and also um the rest of the members of eng and and I'd like to thank Mike O'Brien for accepting my music onto his label, uh, 9gates. I'd also like to thank Drazen for inspiring me, actually, to make this project, and also I'd like to thank Autonomy for those microphones that he sent me, they work really well. They're really gonna help us out with the recording for Anticontamentum. But the one person, though, who's really, really helped me out the most, and without this person there'd be no Tommy Elsonizaki at all, that would be Mark Hoyland. You know, he's helped me out so very much and I can't repay him for all he's done. But um, also I'd like to thank the people who have um, who have downloaded even bought the music, you know. You guys rule.
0: Thank you for listening to EMD Radio. <laughs> EMG Radio is an electronic media collective production for the electronic musicians group it is the license of experience comments attribution.com really 3.0 on order license, all music you came within. The- musicians group or hit us up on twitter at twitter.com slash emg artists how did that sound it sounded good man i hated my intro though it's (laughs) all right i tried to make it different and then it just ended up the same